Before the crowds, all the attention and fame, they were just kids. It's the local play-by-play broadcasters that recognize their talents and their flaws. This is a look behind the curtain of the athletes that made it out and the local guys with ringside seats. You get an insider's view into what goes on behind the sports from local play-by-play broadcasters around the country. This is the Before the Crowds play-by-play podcast with Ken Keller. Hello and welcome to Before the Crowds play-by-play podcast. I'm your host, Ken Keller. This podcast, we speak with local play-by-play broadcasters from all over the country, talking about their jobs, their careers, the industry. But most importantly, we talk about the great stories that they see within the booth while they're calling games and talk about athletes that they cover before they become famous for the crowds and we've talked with minor league uh, baseball broadcasters uh, we've talked with minor league basketball broadcasters G League broadcasters I've talked with NBA broadcasters uh, so you know a, a wide spectrum of people that we talk to this interview coming up is uh, one of my favorites but first before I tell you about that you know for me as a local broadcaster I'm right in the middle of high school football season one of my favorite times of the year because not only, you know, football is one of my favorite sports, but it's also the beginning of a long season of of weekly broadcasts, no matter what the season from high school basketball or excuse me, high school football to basketball to baseball and softball. Pretty much from now until May, uh, I'm doing uh, multiple broadcasts per week uh, for one school. And it's a lot of fun for myself. Um this year has been interesting. Last week, um, we had a, an hour lightning delay in a game that we broadcast. And I also found out that one of my headsets wasn't working. So my, my color commentator couldn't do the, uh, the broadcast with me. And I did this football game by myself. And it just goes to show you in the industry, get to places early, have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. What are you going to do when this doesn't work, when this doesn't work? And basically, uh, after exhausting all of my uh, options, I you know learned that I had to do the uh, game by myself using the cell phone uh, microphone, not even my own headset. It wasn't fun. It sounded fine, though, and the broadcast got on, which is obviously the most important thing. Stuff like that happens all the time, and sometimes it can really develop into a super interesting story, some of which I'll tell you in in future episodes. So back in 2018, actually in 2016, uh, Netflix started this documentary series called Last Chance You. And what they what that does is it goes to all of these community colleges and does a a, uh, a series on these football programs at first. Now they've moved on to basketball, but they do football programs filled with players with interesting stories because basically it's their last chance at getting to the next level. These are all super talented football players that uh, some started in Power 5 colleges. All of them have NFL aspirations, but for one reason or other, whether it be uh, grades or getting in trouble or both or some kind of life situation, Uh, ended up in community college where, you know, they did not intend to. And this kind of highlights that path and that uh, journey to see, you know, which ones make it out of there, which ones see their football careers end there and everything in the middle. In 2018 and 2019, that was season three and season four 
of Last Chance You. For my money, the most entertaining of the entire series. Uh, it was done at Independence Community College in Iowa. And basically the reason that it was the most entertaining was because of their football coach. His name was Jason Brown, extremely polarizing figure, uh, very foul mouth, very outgoing, very boisterous. Uh, and you either loved him or you hated him. I loved him. But I could see why people would have a problem with him as well. And that's what made the, the two seasons of that so fascinating. Well, one of the central figures in the, the two seasons was the play-by-play broadcaster, Jeff Carpenter. Uh, you know, all of his play-by-play, you know, samples throughout the, uh, the two seasons were, were used on the, on the show. Uh, and then he had a vital part of it. A lot of interviews with him. He had a lot of screen time. And I reached out to him a little over a year ago. To, uh, to see if he would come on the podcast, and he did. And we did this interview. I used this in a previous podcast, but everything still kind of remains the same. And I wanted to bring it out here to Before the Crowds for you to listen to on, on hefepods.com. And uh, it's, it's to date one of my favorite interviews that I've done. He was such a nice guy. And I look forward to you hearing his stories about about Netflix being around, what that was like for him, uh, what, what being around Jason Brown all the time was like. And if you watch the series, you absolutely know that that was, uh, had to be an experience in itself. And in, uh, we will also talk about some of the future NFL stars that he's had the chance to uh, broadcast and to call. So all that is coming up beginning right now. I'd like to introduce to you my guest here on Before the Crowds play-by-play podcast from Last Chance U, Independence Community College, Play-by-play man, Jeff Carpenter. My guest today on the Before the Crowds play-by-play podcast is a a guy that most of us have seen on Netflix's documentary series, Last Chance You. If you watch seasons three and four that centered around Independence Community College, you know the voice that we're about to talk to. It's Jeff Carpenter, uh, the voice of Independence Community College. Jeff, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate your time. Uh, my pleasure, Ken. Thanks for having me on. So, uh, gosh, so many questions. I'm a big fan of the series. I've watched, you know, every single season. And, um, you know, even now that they've gone to basketball, I think the, the just the, the documentary, the document, the, it's just a fascinating uh, angle that they've done. I guess before we get into that, just talk about yourself, what your job is, what station you work for, and, and how you got to where you are right now. Well, you know, basically, I got in the business of, of broadcasting like most of us amateurs. Um, it was combined was kind of act by accident, quite honestly. And uh, I had some friends, you know, that tried to, you know, get me into it and kept bugging me about it. And finally, I went down and gave a demo tape to the radio station and they listened to it and evidently liked it because next thing I knew, I was doing play by play for the local high school in Independence, Kansas. And then with my son, King Carpenter, who was doing color commentary for me. And then that evolved into Independence Community College Pirates, the JUCO program for myself. And uh, since then, I've, you know, have not had anything to do with the high school locally, but uh, I do a lot of the JUCO stuff. And, um, you know, I do football and basketball. And as you mentioned, I'm more well known, I think, for everybody is, uh, you know, kind of the voice of Netflix Last Chance You for the football for seasons three and four for the Green New Pirates of Independence. And 
um, you know, about 25 years now I've been doing it all together. And uh, I know you have an extensive background as well in play-by-play broadcasting there in Florida. And, um, you know, it's it's obviously a hobby. Um, it's something I'm thankful that I have the God-given talent to do. And, um, you know, hopefully there's still more opportunity for me down the road, whatever that may be. And, uh, you know, it's just been a blessing to be a part of it and to meet so many incredible people along the way, players, coaches, fans. Uh, You know, Last Chance You, obviously, once it was aired season three, um, you know, my Twitter account blew up. Uh, I had like 4,000 followers in less than four weeks. And, you know, that's the power of media. That's the power of television. And I had people all over the world, you know, saying, you know, we love the show and we love the Pirates and, you know, we love what you do. And, and, you know, that means a lot. We all want to hear that, that hopefully our efforts are are noticed. And, you know, the reality is uh, it's been a great ride for me. And, uh, you know, the cool thing is, is every time I go on the air, I try to make it a new challenge for me and that's what keeps me coming back. And, and I think as long as there is a challenge, we stay tuned in and, uh, you know, we continue to progress and get better. And, you know, that's certainly something that's my goal and my dream to do. And, um, you know, hopefully, uh, there'll be more opportunities down the road, but you know, the reality is if I had to walk away from the mic tomorrow, I'd have no regrets whatsoever. You called your play-by-play career a hobby, and I, I totally get it. It's it's why most of us have gotten into radio in the first place, and it's what we do. It's what we love to do, uh, and it, it just doesn't seem like work a lot of the times. But is it something that you wanted to do growing up? Or you mentioned you got into it by accident. Um, you know, Was it something that, I don't know, you dreamed about doing growing up, or is it literally you just fell into it? Yeah, that's a good question, Ken. I I really didn't dream about doing it growing up. I mean, the reality is, is when I was a young kid, uh, I had a reading difficulty. I mean, I I could read things, but I couldn't retain them. And so I found out I was better if I listened to things. I could retain it better. Um, You know, at nights, as a young kid growing up, I would... You know, listen to the radio in bed and listen to play-by-play going on in all uh, different genres of sports and stuff like that. And, and I think I just kind of became attached to that element of how the broadcasters would paint the picture for their listeners. And so I tried to implement that into my broadcasting is, you know, if I can make people feel like they're sitting right there in the seat, even though they're hundreds of miles away or across the world, for that matter, then I've done my job. So I really think that was the big thing for me is, you know, I played sports and and I played at JUCO for Independence Community College and football. And, um, you know, I wanted to be able to give back to the players something that I really never had growing up as a player myself. We, you know, we had some radio coverage, but it was pretty spotty at the time. And, and so to be able to bring the broadcast to life and, and, you know, lo and behold, for it to unfold on the world stage on Netflix on last chance, you was even cooler yet. So, you know, to me, that's kind of the thing is I've just tried to take my talents and, uh, just tried to weave them into my own way of doing things. And, uh, 
you know, I, I think that's what all of us want as a broadcaster. You know, we, we want to be able to leave our mark somehow, some way on all of our listeners. And if we can leave a positive impact, man, that's that's cool. That's what it's all about. You know, I, I feel like I have such a different perspective watching that series and, and from the first season on than, than what most people do as a play-by-play broadcaster. You know, I'm watching it for the stories, but the first thing I notice, you know, that has your voice on there calling these games and, and the other broadcasters for the other seasons and all I can think of like is wow that guy has his play-by-play being streamed across Netflix and that to me is incredible what was that like for you to just hear yourself and your play-by-play on a national level like that you know it it was pretty surreal when last chance you season three um, first came out and you know it, it aired late at night um and just seeing it and hearing it and stuff like that, I'm like, wow, you know, this is really happening. This this is so surreal. First off, seeing all these Hollywood, you know, cameras rolling up and down the street in the small community of Independence, Kansas, which is about 9,000 people in southeast Kansas. Um, that was kind of hard to grasp to, to start with because I was a huge fan of Last Chance You Show when it was in East Mississippi seasons mm-hmm. one and two uh, with Buddy Stevens and the Lions. And, and you know, then to have Greg Whiteley uh, to bring Last Chance You to Independence, Kansas, and then for us to actually be on the big screen. And, uh, you know, like I say, I mean, it, it was a worldwide event because, I mean, I've had people hit me up and still continue to make contact with me from all over the world. I mean, you know, in Ireland and Scotland and these rugby teams and these people that are embracing American football. And, you know, they're asking me, you know, well, wish you could come over and call our games. And I'm like, you know, guys, it's a little far for me to travel. <laughs> I don't mind going from Independence to Garden City, Kansas, which is about a six hour drive cross state. But, you know, to go across the pond to do a soccer game, first off, I'm not really expertise in soccer, but or rugby for that matter. But thanks for the offer. But that's the power of media. And that's what's the coolest thing is to yeah to be a part of it and you know to hear my voice and greg whiteley the executive director of uh of last chance you and it's his brainchild the way he does cinematography he makes everything incredibly exciting and our games were super close and exciting in season three and i think that's what really kind of uh, embraced the world you know to uh call the independence dream you pirates not just America's team. We were the world's team because we were the Cinderella season come true. And, you know, we've always been the doormat of the Jayhawk conference in Kansas. And then all of a sudden, bam, you know, we're shaking things up and, and we're winning not just in our conference in front of local and area fans, but we're doing it on camera in front of the entire world. And, and I think everybody embraced the underdog situation on that. It was fascinating and I do want to get into more of that here but uh, I need to tell you this story uh, briefly Um, one of my guests that I've had on this podcast in fact he was my very first guest was Glenn Grunwald uh, for 
Um, and I want to make sure I get the... Yeah, uh, he's in Hutchinson. Yeah, Hutchinson Community College. You guys are in the same Jayhawk Conference, right? You guys are in the same conference? That is correct. So, yes. Glenn's a good guy. Yes, uh, yes. And, and a great guy. And I asked him, I said, listen, and he told me about his experience with the cameras and Last Chance U, and he didn't, obviously not as much as you did, and from what he said, that they kind of didn't sign off on a lot of the stuff. So his, his a lot of his stuff wasn't on there but he saw the cameras and he saw everything that was happening of course when Hud- when Hutchinson played uh, independence uh, I asked him because this is exactly how I would feel I said when you see somebody you know from a school that you know have their play-by-play on Netflix like that is there a part of you that's a little bit jealous saying listen I you know I want my stuff on TV too and he admitted, yes, yeah, a little bit. I mean, he was more than happy for you guys, and uh, you know, he doesn't have a, a petty bone in his body. But he admitted it, and I know for a fact I would have been that way if there was a, a radio station that was being, f- you know, featured and and got some notoriety, and I was like in the next county over. I would have thought, ugh. I just missed out on something, I, and I don't. I just wanted to pass that along to you because there's a, there's a little bit of a common thread. You know, Glenn, uh, and you know, of course, I talked to him on this podcast. I thought that was just kind of an interesting dynamic. Yeah, and, and you know, that's that's really nice of him to view it that way. Um, and I think everybody would have you know a little sense of jealousy because we all want to be able to to be a part of something on a bigger stage. And and the reality is, Ken, it's just. Uh, I'm in the right place at the right time, and it was part of God's plan for me to be able to put me on there and and uh, for people to be able to hear me and, and see me and then make a connection that, uh, you know, here's a guy in, in a small Midwestern town uh, in Kansas that um, all of a sudden, you know, his voice is being recognized all over the world, and, and it's funny because... I go a lot of places now, and if if people don't recognize me f- by facial, then when I say something or I talk, they're like, oh, my God, you're the announcer from Last <laughs> Chance You, right? And I'm like, yeah, I am. And, you know, so it is cool in that sense. But, you know, the reality of it is things really never change for me. I mean, again, it's great to have notoriety. And, you know, people come up, and whether they're friends or just – casual fans or whatever and they're like man you're famous and you know you're you're you know on tv and netflix and you know being on a well-known and famous show does not make you famous it makes you well known but it doesn't necessarily give you instant fame and and i think that's the thing is i honestly have always stayed grounded i'm thankful for that opportunity but the reality is it's just one stepping stone along the way in what you hope is going to open some other doors down the road. And, um, and that's kind of the way I viewed it. And, you know, my mom and dad were always my number one fans. You know, they had failing health in their retirement years, but they would always listen to my broadcast on radio. And that was their highlight, whether it be on a Friday or a Saturday night or whatever. And so I always knew they were listening and, then when they both passed away in the same year in 2015, I took about a two-year hiatus away from broadcasting. I was in a pretty dark place at that time. And so it took me a while to get grounded again, get recentered. And then I finally realized whether it was God's voice putting it into me saying, you know what, you haven't lost your number one fans. They just have a better seat right now to your broadcast. 
And that put it in perspective for me and it allowed me to get back into broadcasting after taking that hiatus. More after this on Before the Crowds Play-by-Play Podcast. Discover the exciting world of podcasts at hefepods.com. Immerse yourself in exciting stories, learn new knowledge, and connect with great podcasts in both English and Spanish at hefepods.com. From captivating stories to life advice and much more, there's a podcast for every interest and passion. English and the hard-to-find Spanish language podcasts are all at hefepods.com. Don't waste any more time. Find a great English or Spanish language podcast to follow and discover a world of possibilities in your own language. Find the best podcasts at hefepods.com. Boy, what an incredible outlook. And first of all, sorry for your loss, even though it was, you know, seven years ago. I know it's it's still painful to this day. And we have we all have moms. And, and my mom, who lives in Ohio right now, will, has downloaded my radio station's app. She listens to every one of my Friday Night Football broadcasts. <laughs> She'll sit in her reading room uh, and, and just listen to it. And I'll get a text from her. First, our, our football team wasn't very good this year. And there was a lot of blowouts. And I, I would be thinking in my head, I'm like, who's still listening to this game? You know, <laughs> who's still listening to this game? How can I make this interesting? And I would get a text from my mom about something that happened in the fourth quarter. I'm like, all right, I know she's still on board, so I got to be good. You know, <laughs> I still got to be good. Uh, so, I mean, you know, parent support, no matter how old you are, how long you've been in the business, is such a powerful thing, isn't it? It is. It's huge. And, and it's so ironic you would mention that about your mom because – I can remember my mother telling me that she goes, you always want to be at your best and do your best on the air because you never know who's listening at the time. It can be somebody's parent or grandparent that's playing or whatever it is, but always keep in mind there is somebody listening that does care. And so I tried to keep that in mind and, and our then athletic director during the shows for last chance, you Tom, Tammy Romstead, she gave me probably one of the best compliments I've ever received. She said, uh, this was prior to last chance you because independence community college was not a good football team before Jason Brown, the head coach came to Indy and we were getting blown out 60 to nothing and whatever. And, you know, she said, you know what, Jeff, she said, the one thing is that I found amazing with your broadcast was you always kept me engaged. We could be behind 50 to nothing at halftime, and somehow, some way, the way you wove your story made me feel like we had a shot to come back and win this game. And she goes, I knew in the back of my mind we didn't have a chance to win this game. But anyway, that's pretty cool if people can feel that vibe that you put out and and the way as you know, the way you weave your story in your broadcast, the way you bring it to life that's what people remember and and that's how we basically as performers and entertainers that's how we bring it to life for them it's definitely not easy to do and especially when it's game after game after game of the same thing my question to you and, and just to talk shop a little bit is how do you weave your story for me I focus on the kids, 
uh, and just individual stories about you know this kid he does this on the outside and uh, you know he's he's going to nationals and FFA for this and uh, and and to me that keeps at least the parents involved because they might hear something about their children but if you make it at the high school level it might be different for what you do at the high school level if you remember that their kids that have everyday lives and football might not even be the biggest part of it or basketball or whatever it is but if you can make the listener feel their story even in a blowout loss to me that's what helps it does and and you know for the junior college level i i think quite honestly it's a little more difficult because you get kids from all over the country coming to your community and Mm -hmm. and going to school there so you really don't have a huge opportunity year to year to be able to dive into each individual uh player and you know their background you know there's a few guys you can pick up on and, and naturally we're all uh drawn to certain people uh, magnetically, whoever they may be. And when you land on somebody you have a good relationship with, you get to know them pretty good. And so, yeah, you can start adding in some of their background when they were in high school, this and that and so forth. And, you know, we had a, a kid at Independence Community College uh, from the state of Florida, which uh, I think he was one of the top players uh, in high school in Florida, Shamari Jones. And uh, Shamari went on to play at Coastal Carolina and he was just uh, picked up by the Cincinnati Bengals as an undrafted free agent in this year's draft. And, you know, we had four guys from Independence Community College get drafted this year, if you will, in the draft. Our, our top guy, of course, was Jermaine Johnson from uh, Florida State as he was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year this past season for the Seminoles. He goes in the first round to the New York, New York Jets. And, uh, you know, that's pretty impressive when you get to looking at it that a small junior college in Kansas, you can pump out four guys that are now playing in the NFL. And that just goes to show, I think, the strength of the Kansas Jayhawk Conference in football. I mean, we're one of the premier conferences in America, hands down. There's no question about it. And I'm sure Glenn Grunwald, he echoed the same sentiments about Hutchison Community College. They got a great program there, great tradition. Independence is building our tradition with the cultural change that Jason Brown, our former head coach, brought with him uh for last chance you and then of course we had kiyoshi harris who was the head coach after coach brown who was an assistant under him and then now we have jason martin which was also an assistant coach under jason brown and kiyoshi harris and jason martin's done an amazing job in keeping our tradition and our cultural rolling at independence community college and you know, Indy is uh, it's it's a special place, and you know I, I'm just thankful that I've been a part of it. And outside of the last chance you aspect of it, even if the cameras never landed at Indy uh, for the seasons three and four, you know it's still been a great ride with the Pirates and seeing their rise through the conference. And now, you know we're we're one of the top teams year in and year out in the Jayhawk. Did you ever do any TV before you were on camera f- uh, for the Netflix uh, no. series? So no, what, I never did, man. So what was it like seeing yourself on TV? To me, I would be so self-conscious about that. Were you at all? And if you were, how did you get over that? 
you know, I never really, really thought much about it, Ken. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do and is attributed to the crew of Last Chance You, Greg Whiteley, uh, the director. Um, you know, they made you feel really comfortable. And obviously, they came to my house multiple times for interviews, which some of them were put into the show. Um, I, I just really never thought much about the cameras. Um, of course, you know, during season three, uh, of last chance you we had our our weekly coaches show the mm-hmm. icc coaches show at turbo sports bar and grill which is owned by a really good friend of mine tony val and i think being around the cameras all the time you, you really get to the point you don't even recognize or notice them um you know in season four they had a camera in the press box on me during every broadcast so you know i kind of knew it was there but then again i didn't because at no point in time ever did my broadcast change, whether it was with Last Chance Use cameras or without them. I still do it the exact same way. I have the same passion for it. And and I just feel that that really makes who you are as a broadcaster, because when you get behind the mic, you need to be able to produce game in and game out. It doesn't matter whether your audience is hundreds of thousands of people all over the world or it's in front of a hundred people it doesn't make any difference you still have to be professional enough to perform so with all due respect to the other seasons of last chance you season three and four for for my money were absolutely the most entertaining uh, of the series and i think you can point to jason brown with all due respect to yourself by the way uh jason brown was such a polarizing character in those two seasons, you had one that just loved his energy, loved the fact that he didn't care what other people thought, and he did what it took to turn that program around. Uh, swearing aside, uh, you know, philosophies aside, and no filter aside. Then you've got the ones that say, no, you should never talk to kids like this. You should never act this way. And it, it's not worth it, uh, you know, to have a winning program for this to happen. What was your relationship like with Jason, uh, you know, before, during, and after the series? We had a great relationship. Um, you know, honestly, I had met him briefly through our athletic director, Tammy Romstead, initially, just uh, at one of the sports bars in Independence. And, I mean, we had a three- or four-minute conversation. That was about it. And then a couple days later, I happened to see him uh, and Kiyoshi Harris, who was his assistant coach at that time at our local Walmart, and we just kind of passed each other in crossing and then he stopped and hollered at me he said hey he said jeff right i met you the other night so you know for him to remember me just in passing you know he knew i was going to be doing the broadcasting for that season but you know that kind of bonded us initially and you know i would hang out with jb generally every weekend at his house we had outdoor barbecues and and stuff like that with the coaches and you know some of the players they would come over you know and then coach brown never ate leftovers he would always send everything out to the dorms with the kids and and the assistant coaches because some of the assistant coaches they're only getting room and board they're not getting paid anything you know so that's just the nature of juco football but jb and i's relationship has always been good i still talk to him now um you know we stay in contact and and he's done a great job on his own and you know he's an entrepreneur he started slapdick 
whiskey and cigars. He's got that going on, marketing it online all over the place. Uh, he's got his uh, coaches clinics he puts on and so forth. So some people aren't going to agree with him. And in a small Midwestern town, when you come in and you're that uh, outgoing and you have that magnanimous of a personality, it's going to rub people the wrong way sometimes, uh, especially in the Bible Belt here in Kansas. And um, I think the reality is Coach Brown knew. He goes, you know, I'm here to win games. I'm not here to win friends. And and that's the way he viewed it. And, and I respect that because in coaching, it's not, you know, what have you done in the past? It's what have you done lately? And, you know, he knew he had to produce and he knew he was coming into a school that had been the doormat in the Jayhawk Conference forever. And he brought in players and created a culture and an atmosphere that transformed Independence Community College into a JUCO powerhouse. And... um Last chance you captured it on camera, which is even more incredible when you got cameras following you 24-7 and you don't know what footage they're going to use for the show. You have no idea. I mean, you know, there's tens of thousands of hours of footage that ends up on the cutting room floor. But somehow, some way, Coach Brown and his staff and players, they embraced that opportunity and they performed and produce magic on the screen and and that was the coolest part of it man was being a part of that knowing that we had created history for independence kansas you know what and i was just thinking about this netflix really caught lightning in a bottle here because you can't tell the future you mentioned yourself independence was a doormat of this of this league for years and years and years they didn't know that independence was going to I, I don't. I don't think they knew that they were going to come out of the blue and and have the season that they did in the first year that they, you know, filmed that season. I think what they were banking on was the the personality of Jason Brown and said, okay, if we get a few wins and some kind of momentum or some kind of an interesting season, then that's icing on the cake. But it turns out you guys go on and and uh, you know play for a conference title and. Uh, I mean that that's to, it's, it's the perfect storm. Everything coming together all at one time, and it couldn't have worked out any better for Last Chance You. Well, you're absolutely right. In 2017, which was season three of Last Chance You, I think that's what Greg Whiteley's plan was. Exactly is you know we got this polarizing character in head coach Jason Brown that we can follow around and. You know, he, he's like a loaded gun. You have no idea what you're going to get from day to day with this guy. And, and for him, Coach Brown speaking, to be able to pull off a Jayhawk Conference championship in just his second year at the school, which was the first title for independence in 30 years in football, and then to go on and win the school's first ever bowl win over the NEOA and M in Oklahoma on their home field. On top of it, you know, we finished fifth in the country that year and really are an eyelash away from playing for a national championship. So I think it was the perfect storm for last chance you. And that's why that show, that particular season, was so well received by everybody all across the world. And and again, everybody embraced the underdog uh, scenario for independence and so we went into season four the second season they were in independence um 
as you know, the world's team, basically, everyone wanted to see and was salivating to see what the Independence Pirates were going to do. Would the Dream U Pirates have another dream season in 2018? And the weird thing is, Ken, with such a dismal finish in 2018, that's the show that wins an Emmy. (laughs) (laughs) Which goes to show not everybody loves a winner. That's really what it comes down to. Well, there was certainly some drama in that, especially the way that it ended with the dismissal of of Jason Brown. And I don't want to, I guess I did spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen it yet, but it's it's been five (laughs) or six years. You should have seen it by now. Um, You know, you know, I, I've worked with coaches that are emotional, that I've been, been really good friends with, but I didn't always agree with the, what they said or done. But I always had this almost, I don't know, anxiety might be um, a too strong of a word, but maybe a nervousness of like, okay, what, what version of this coach am I going to get with this interview, this conversation? <laughs> what am I going to see? You know, am I going to, is this like for basketball? Am I going to see any kind of a blow up? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Did you ever have that sense with, with Jason Brown or are you just like, listen, I'm here front row seat. I get to see whatever happens. <laughs> well, I had rock star seating, obviously. Yeah. So I kind of figured, man, anything that happens to me, I try to always be prepared for it. And and with JB, Coach Brown, um, it was probably more of a challenge to make sure he wasn't cursing on the camera <laughs> yeah. uh, during our coach's show because, you know, I'm looking over at him out of the corner of my eye as I'm asking him some of these questions and we're doing uh, the coach's show there at Turbos. And, and he knows, because we've talked off camera, I'm like, brother, you can't curse on the air. Okay, <laughs> this isn't Howard Stern's show. We're not doing it like that. Right. So you got to kind of tamper it down. But, you know, JB knew what the scenario was. He knew when he could push the envelope and when he couldn't. And, and I appreciated that as one professional to another. Um, now, there's times he walked the line and maybe stepped over it a little bit. But the truth of the matter is that's his personality. And if you know Jason Brown, that's who he is. He doesn't pull any strings. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. He doesn't put on a front for the cameras. He doesn't do that. That's the way he is. And so you get in that mindset as a broadcaster, when you're interviewing coaches, like you said, you never really know, you know, is this going to be a volatile conversation or whatever? that's when you find out how good you are at interviewing people. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you react? How do you absorb things? You know, how do you then weave a story and follow up in a positive way, maybe to something that's a negative comment by them. But the truth is that's part of it. And that's the challenge, man. And that's the beauty of being a broadcaster. Okay, we're going to stop right there. Next week, we'll talk more about some of the NFL stars that he has covered that played at Independence Community College, which makes it more interesting because the entire series is about players that uh, had little hiccups in their journey, bumps in the road, ended up at, at Independence Community College and still fought their way to some being first-round draft picks in the NFL. Phenomenal stories coming up next uh, in the next episode, which will be in two weeks. So I hope you join me then. Until then, I'm Ken Keller. Thank you for listening. This has been Before the Crowds Play-by-Play Podcast. 
a proud member of the Boss Pods Podcast Network, a division of Glades Media. If you like this episode, please tell your friends and follow Before the Crowds on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Before the Crowds. There you'll get extra clips not included in this episode, as well as updates on when new episodes are posted. If you have any questions or comments, message those accounts, and I will either message back directly or answer your questions on a future podcast. The Before the Crowds theme music is written and performed by Lucas Braun of L-Dub Music. More episodes to come over the next few weeks. Until then, thank you for listening.